Welcome to Florida In-Depth with the Tampa Bay Times, produced by the Department of Journalism and Digital Communication at the University of South Florida. Here is your host, Professor Elliot Weiser. Hello, everyone. In this episode, we are taking an in-depth look at a controversial topic, school vouchers. Approximately 15 states have voucher programs to help pay for private schools. Now, that doesn't include other states that offer tax credit scholarship programs or flexible education savings accounts to help families cover the costs of private schools. In Florida earlier this year, a new law was enacted that expands school vouchers. So to help us get a better understanding of the changes taking place, we are fortunate to have the education reporter with the Tampa Bay Times, Jeff Solacek. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for inviting me. So in March of this year, the Florida legislature passed House Bill 1. Give us some details on what this bill affects, how it affects school vouchers. Well, the big thing that it did was it it exploded eligibility. Every kid who is K through 12 age is now eligible to receive a voucher or an education savings account to use for their private or homeschooling. And that is something that is brand new. It had always been limited in the past. So why create the bill? Well, the bill was important to the legislative leaders who said that we need to offer more choices to everyone. They didn't like the idea of having some people having certain choices and other people being limited in their choices. They said, even if you're a millionaire, you're paying your taxes and you should have the ability to get some sort of support to take the school education that you want. So the criteria for receiving vouchers uh, with this new law, did that change at all? Yeah, it's gone. I mean... Anyone can get it. Right. You you just have to be of a certain age and apply. And then the only thing is that you have to use it in a certain way. If you go to a private school, for instance, and that private school does not accept the restrictions that are placed upon the use of the money or the rules that the state has set, then your voucher, you've been awarded one, but you can't really use it because the state says the voucher money needs to be used first if you're going to a private school for tuition. I'm going to ask a really silly question, but if you go to public school, you can't get a voucher. No, that is the restriction. They say you're using your taxpayer money then for public education and that's the same thing as if you would have taken the money and had it moved to your private education. Okay, so let me ask you this question. How does this bill address the educational disparities and improve access to quality education for the families? Well, that's kind of a hard question to answer because there are a lot of people who will say that it just opens the door. You can take your money where you want. You can use it if they will accept it. You can homeschool with it if you're willing to take the rules that the state has set forward, which some people don't want to do. But there are others who say that, you know, there's not enough availability of a private school that does what you want it to do. Sometimes it's the school choosing you rather than you choosing the school. And so there were some people who say that you're just now creating a market for lower rent private schools who want to take the money. And so maybe there isn't that opportunity for everyone. Is Florida the only state that provides vouchers to anyone going to private school? Florida is the first one to really go big on this. There are other states that are trying pilot programs of that and who have we have seen 
and sometimes looked at them for examples. Arizona was one where everybody was looking at if there are education savings accounts, how are they going to be used? Everybody was worried because in Arizona, most of the people who were taking the money were already in private schools. And that is what they said would happen in Florida. And that is what happened in Florida. So let's look at overall what's contributed to the rapid growth in the popularity of vouchers, Jeff. Well, there are so many things, but a lot of people are pointing to the pandemic. When people went, were forced to go home for school and parents started paying attention to what their kids were and were not doing. Some of them said, well, you know, staying at home and learning this way is probably better than sending our kids back. And it started to really set the ball in motion for people looking at what are our choices and what do we really want our kids to be learning and how. So have they, uh, so obviously everyone can get a voucher if you're going to a private school. Have they expanded the vouchers? Is there anything else the vouchers can be used for? Yeah, you can use it for homeschooling, which is something that's new. The homeschoolers fought against it being open for everyone because some of them don't want the restrictions. Say you have to apply do certain testing or you have to receive certain counseling. That's part of the law. So they created something called PEP and forgive me, I don't remember what PEP stands for, but it was something like personal education plan. Mm -hmm. And if you accept that money and you accept the rules and you can use it for the way that you want to uh, within the rules that are set for in this handbook, which has become somewhat controversial in some ways, but um, if it's allowed for, you can use the money for that, and and it doesn't just have to be for a private school. Okay, so let help me understand this. So if I'm I'm teaching my kids at home, and I'm willing to follow certain rules. I can get basically money. Yes, and could I use that money to feed the kids? That's not really what it's supposed to be for. But is someone checking that? There are supposed to be checks and balances. There are supposed to be uh, ways for the scholarship funding organizations to review the money. Some people put in requests for things that the scholarship funding organization have in their books, and you can order from them, and those are immediately reimbursed. There are other things that you might buy yourself and then put in for reimbursement and there's been problems right now with all of the ways that people are reviewing them because there's so many people doing vouchers right now and they couldn't grow fast enough. And so they're struggling with reimbursements. But there are lists of things that you're supposed to do and there are supposed to be people reviewing them. That's interesting. We're going to get into more of those problems in 60 seconds, but we're going to take a break for these important messages. Never miss the news that matters. The Tampa Bay Times has the Bay Area's largest newsroom and is your source for reliable reporting. With 14 Pulitzer Prizes recognizing its commitment to the community through high-quality journalism, The Times provides the news you need from the source you can trust. Find local stories, investigative reports, things to do, updates on Florida politics, and more. In print on Wednesdays and Sundays and 24-7 at TampaBay.com. Pursue the truth. If you work in the media, communications, or marketing industry, this message is for you. Take your career to the next level by getting your master's degree from one of the top journalism programs in the Southeast. The journalism department at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg, is offering a master's degree in digital journalism and design. And the best thing about it, you can do the entire program from home. This online curriculum can be completed in as little as one year. 
The program is professionally accredited and provides students with an informative and practical education taught by well-respected professionals and academics. The cost is reasonable. The experience is invaluable. For more information, please call 727-873-4881. That's 727-873-4881 or go to www.usf.edu slash journalism. And now back to Florida in depth with the Tampa Bay Times. We are talking with Tampa Bay Times education reporter Jeff Solacek about school vouchers. Jeff, it's clear school vouchers obviously are very popular in Florida. You were just talking about how just if you're in private school or homeschooling, you can get a voucher with certain conditions. So you briefly mentioned the state's having trouble keeping up with the demand. Talk about that a little. Well, one of the things that happened with the expansion and we're talking about a very large expansion, close to 400,000 or more people applied, and it was a much smaller number before. And so Step Up for Students, which is basically the manager of almost all of the vouchers in Florida, has expanded, but they also tried to change some of their computer systems, some of their reporting mechanisms, and parents went nuts this past fall, or this current fall, I guess, and they they started saying, we're not getting reimbursed, our schools aren't seeing their money that we need so that we can keep our schools open. And these are families that have special needs, and there are a lot of these smaller schools, and without the money that schools were borrowing to just make payroll, and saying, if we don't get something happening soon, we are going to go out of business. And some people said, hey, look, this is the exact opposite of what school choice is if you're creating a system that our schools are threatened with closure because you can't keep up. And so the legislature has said that they will look into complaints and concerns with Step Up for Students in the January special session. But in the meantime, Step Up has said, we are working hard and we are trying to address all your concerns. We're making changes. I haven't heard what all the changes are yet because they said they were going to tell parents first, not me. (laughs) So... It would be safe to say that the legislature made school vouchers available to everyone but didn't take into consideration the volume that it was going to create and how that would be handled. I'm not sure if they didn't take it into consideration or if Step Up told them they could handle it and then they just found out that they couldn't handle it or how exactly that went down. But the bottom line is for many parents, Step Up didn't handle it in a way that was acceptable to them. Are they starting to clear up that backlog? They have said that they are close to 98, 99% coverage, but, you know, for that 1%, it's still a big deal because some people are just scraping by. The voucher is what's making a difference for them, especially the families with special needs students, because they're not looking at it as, hey, you know, I'm just going to pay this other school to do something. They see it as schools that don't offer what they need sometimes, and so they rely on that money to pay for the therapies and the programs and the people to help their kids who really, really need something. Have parents raised any other concerns or criticisms regarding school vouchers? Oh, well, there's another whole group of parents who say that vouchers are destabilizing the public education system. I was going to ask about that. And they don't appreciate it at all. They see the money as going away from district schools and And they don't like that because they say that now schools are 
struggling to make ends meet. I mean, there's more money going into the education system overall, but when you have a governor who says public education is wherever public dollars go to pay for education, that's a very different thing than public education being what's offered by what now people critics are calling government schools, you know, and they say these are the government schools that are trying to indoctrinate our children. And so they want the money to go somewhere else. They're diverting the money. And that is a big criticism for a lot of people who say that, you know, the vast majority of students in Florida still go to district public schools, 70 something odd percent or more. And so school choice is important, but it's not the biggest part and you have to pay attention and f- adequately fund what is there for the majority. So 70% go to public school, but as school vouchers become more popular, you could see more students going to private schools or homeschooling. So do we see a situation at one point in Florida where some of these public schools don't have enough students and they start closing and consolidating some of the public schools? That is happening. That's happening now. I, we've seen it in parts of Hillsborough County. We're seeing it go down in Broward County right now where the superintendent announced he was going to go on a tour to see the under-enrolled schools and see what they can do about it. Families are making choices, and schools are not always in the places where they need to be, where the most people who want them are, and sometimes they're in communities that want other choices. Jeff, you mentioned something, and it, it, it caught my interest. So the really needy students, whether they're a special needs student or whatever, are they getting the help or are the parents getting the help they need from the voucher program? They say that the voucher program has been a godsend to them if it's working properly and they don't have all the problems with the reimbursements and the funding mechanisms. So what are the long-term effects of this bill that was passed earlier this year? Well, it looks like we're going to continue to see increases in the numbers of students who can receive vouchers and participate in education savings accounts. It looks like we're going to have a government that for a long time is going to support this whole idea of school choice expansion. At the same time, what we're seeing is an offshoot that came from that same House Bill 1, which is a deregulation of the public school system. It started just in November with the discussion of several items where the lawmakers, especially in the state Senate, are saying, look, if we're going to allow for innovation and creativity to meet parent needs, not just in outside choices, but also within the public school system, we need to take away some of the restrictions that we've placed on them over time. We've never meant to burden them, but too much regulation has tied their hands. And so they're starting to look at removing some of those things that they consider onerous burdensome regulations. One last question. I was just thinking about this. So if Florida is leading the country in school vouchers, I would imagine other states, particularly states that uh, have Republican governors, are taking note of this so we could see this rapidly spreading to other states? It is happening in several other states. Um, Iowa has looked at it. Arkansas has done it. But it's interesting that Texas, which a lot of people compare to Florida in so many ways, has just completely refused to do it with the rural, even Republicans saying, this is just not right for us. Interesting. Really interesting. Jeff, thanks for shining light on this important topic. We appreciate you joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you to our audience for listening. Please provide us a positive review. And tell your friends and family about our podcast. Our new episodes drop on Mondays. And next week, we will be discussing immigration with a special look at one of the most dangerous places in the world. Until next time, I'm Elliot Weiser. 
Thank you for listening to Florida in Depth with the Tampa Bay Times. The podcast is produced by the Department of Journalism and Digital Communication at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg. Executive producers are Elliot Weiser and Carolyn Fox. Our director is Christopher Campbell. Producers are Michael Van Sickler, Jenna Duncan, Kelsey Forrester, Jordan Kalasian, and Alex Logue. Production assistant is Lauren McHugh. And a special thank you to Mark Katchis at the Tampa Bay Times. And at USF St. Petersburg, thank you to Dr. Mark Walters and Dr. Casey Frechette. Until next time, I'm Elliot Weiser.